So what's been the impact of all these increases for the borrowers? Are things slowing down? A little bit, but at the same time, you know, everything is relative. And, you know, as a lot of your listeners know, it has been incredible competition in most of the markets that we're looking at across the country. And also appraisal turn times have been, you know, one of our biggest challenges over the last two years. With refinances going away, we're seeing appraisal turn times normalize. With interest rates going up, now that doesn't affect the cash buyers as much, but even the cash buyers may be using delayed financing on the back end. So it is, we are seeing some of those investor competition come out. Again, that is, it's, it's very market specific, but, you know, as far as, as the demand goes, it's still steady, but we are seeing that ebb just a little bit. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Caliber Home Loans. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. Now we've been working with Dan and his team for over five years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close a deal. Now, I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or a vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at semiretiredmd at caliberhomeloans.com to get a free consultation. Have you ever dreamed of owning a vacation home? What if it could double as an investment property that makes you money and helps you save on taxes? Our new course, Accelerating Wealth Short-Term Rental Blueprint, will teach you how to purchase and set up your short-term rental the right way. Learn more about the course at semiretiredmd.com slash str hyphen course. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, the place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. Welcome to another episode of the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast. Today we have Dan Peck and Scott Claire Hugh from Caliber Home Loans. We have been working with Dan and Scott for years now on a number of different investment properties of our own, but also they've been really great partners of ours, of semi-retired MD, and, and working with so many of our student investors. Hey, Dan and Scott, welcome. Thanks, guys. How are you? Awesome. Well, we're really excited to have you guys here to talk a lot about the changes that we've seen happening in in the market of residential loans, to talk about interest rates, to talk about inflation. So thank you both for being here and let's get going. All right. So first, like, let's talk about uh, what's going on with interest rates. We've seen the Fed increase interest rates twice now this year, and we're interested, like, what is the impact of that on mortgage rates? So, you know, probably one of the biggest misconceptions that we have in the overall interest rate market when the Fed starts manipulating the system on the Fed funds rate is that the Fed funds rate actually controls mortgage rates, and it actually does not do that. The Fed funds rate is something that the Fed moves around. It is the overnight lending rate that the banks borrow against the Fed to balance their books on a daily basis. Um, Obviously, HELOCs are tied to the prime rate, which then is tied to the Fed funds rate. So a lot of your consumer lending products are based off of the Fed funds rate, but mortgages themselves aren't. 
They do, however, set policy and they do, however, look at the economy and what's going on. So obviously, mortgage rates do follow what they're doing. Um, But the bigger thing that is followed by mortgages is inflation. And the inflation figures are what really drives the mortgage rates up or down, depending on what the economy is doing. Obviously, right now, we're in an increasing interest rate environment. We've been there for a few months. And obviously, you're seeing that on the Fed side as well. So those two are tracking together. Um, You can also look at the 10-year Treasury and see that that's uh, at at a high point that it's been at in a long time as well. So all of your debt assets, the 10-year treasury, mortgages, everything has kind of slid up a couple of percentage points. And um, you're probably going to continue to see them, you know, hopefully stabilize, but we could see some more pressure on that um, until things uh, subside. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of where things are. So it sounds like inflation is what's really driving the increase in mortgage rates. So can you explain to our listeners why the Fed is increasing the Fed fund rate? You're absolutely right, Kenji. It is inflation that drives long-term interest rates. And in fact, while it may seem counterintuitive, the market has perceived the actions of the Fed to be late. And you've heard the term transitory used a lot last year. And with the belief that inflation was not going to be sticky, was not going to be here to stay. And you know, the, the, the markets believe that if the Fed had started their tightening cycle, which means raising the federal funds rate sooner, and taken inflation more seriously earlier, we may not have seen the rapid increase in long-term rates that we've seen right now. And so ultimately, while it is painful to watch those short-term interest rates increase, if the market perceives the, the Fed to be serious about inflation, then ultimately, these should actually work to stabilize long-term interest rates. And at some point, if we track with history, we'll start to see long-term interest rates come down as those inflation numbers start to improve. Yeah, as much as we uh, dislike, you know, putting things into our cash and cash calculator, like interest rates of 6%, I really think it's important for us to see the whole picture as real estate investors and see that inflation is a huge problem, not for only for us, but for everybody in the country. And, and the increases in interest rates really do ideally help with that inflation problem that we're all, you know, having. And we, and we saw a little bit of this in uh, 2018. Um, it was a very small blip because then you know COVID hit and that kind of threw things off. But you know, in 2018, we saw rates you know go from the 16 and 17 levels that were in the low to mid threes, uh, you know, sub four percent. They went up into the you know four and a half five percent range in 2018, and then um, we you know we saw some inflationary pressure and stuff like that. It wasn't as big as we're seeing now, but we did see rates rise, and then of course that cooled off. We saw rates come back down. And then, I mean, rates on their own naturally were in the low threes at the end of 2019 to beginning of 2020 before COVID was even a thing. And so, and that's just all part of the market cycling like it's supposed to. We're just seeing it a lot bigger swings right now just because it's a lot bigger of an issue than it was in terms of the scale and the size of it. So let's talk about those mortgage rates. Uh, You were talking about them being in the threes last year. What are they... What's happening to them now? And let's let's kind of maybe split it up into uh, for people who are buying a primary residence versus an investment property. Yeah, so primary residence-wise, you know, rates in general, uh, it depends on the loan product, but your mortgage-backed securities, which are your Fannie Mae and your Freddie Mac loans, which is the bulk of what the average consumer gets, they've gone up about two to two and a half percentage points. So we were in a low three environment at the first part of the year. Yes, you could get rates into the twos depending on the situation, down payment, but 
for all intents and purposes, let's say three and a quarter. Right now, we're seeing rates closer to five and a half to you know 5.75 on a basic 30-year fixed mortgage. If you're doing a jumbo loan or a bigger loan amount, we are seeing some of the investors kind of still holding the rates in the high fours, low fives. Um, so the but those are bigger loan amounts. Those are going to be million, million and a half dollar loans. Um, those are more bank driven products, not um, securitized products that are done through Wall Street. Um, and so that's kind of where they're at. We see that they on the owner occupied side, they're going to you know there's pressure on them still to go up. Currently today, um, we're seeing them kind of stabilize. The last few days, you know, the Fed did their raise a week ago. The market was a little bit choppy, but for the last couple of days, mortgages have been kind of stabilized, which has been nice. Um, we're not seeing the volatility. That does not mean they'll stick around tomorrow. But right now they're in that, you know, again, 5.5 to 5.75 range. And we see that kind of sticking around as long as the inflation numbers, which they will be released tomorrow, you know, if they get a lot higher and they're not looking good, you'll see rates probably go up a little bit more because um, that's what they're really tracking, like Scott said. So they're really tracking that inflation number. And if that really comes out tomorrow and it's higher and higher, that's going to push rates more and more just because it's not going to be the news they want. Um, once we see that inflation number tick the other direction, even just slightly, um, and see it go down, the market will say, okay, what the Fed's doing is working. And then hopefully that'll be where we you know, have the highest rates and then they start to move back the other direction. And on the investment side, uh, same story, you know, and certainly, you know, some of your listeners will know that your, uh, the rate you get on investment property can depend on property type. Single family is different than multifamily. Down payment certainly matters, but ultimately we wrote a lot of deals in the, we'll just call it the high threes for investment properties for, you know, the better part of the last two years. And now we are in the low sixes and sometimes with points. And, you know, frankly, as Dan said, if your owner occupied rate is at 5.625, I actually wish I could have a rate of six and a half to be able to offer for some of our investment properties, because that might be a rate that doesn't include points. And that comes back to some of the just the rapid rise in interest rates we've seen right now. You know, it's caused a little bit of havoc in the financial markets and ultimately mortgage rates are determined by what's happening in the financial market. So, you know, to Dan's point, as we see some of that stabilize, we may see the interest rate environment normalize a little bit with just some more rate offerings. Can you talk about points? Because uh, I've been hearing uh, a lot more loans associated with points, whereas I remember in the last couple of years, pay no points. So is that a trend that's happening? People are paying points consistently now? Yes, specifically because if you think of it this way, when Dan's talking about an owner-occupied rate at five and a half, uh, when you go to a non-owner-occupied loan or now a second home, Fannie Mae adds a certain amount of points in there. So for instance, not, not to get too granular, but if you're trying to do a 10% down second home, that's an addition of four points to the owner-occupied rate. And the way that you can absorb those four points is to raise your interest rate. That's why when I say if we had a rate of six and a half or 6.625 available, we might be able to increase, uh, absorb that spread of points. But when the maximum rate we can offer right now is 6.125 or six and a quarter, those, those points have to be paid to Fannie Mae somewhere. And so that's why, you know, you're seeing, you know, usually you pay points to buy down the interest rate. You have two offerings. Here's a par offering and an offering with points so you can buy down your interest rate. That's a normal interest rate environment. Right now in an abnormal interest rate environment, sometimes the lowest rate you can get on an investment or a second home does include points specifically because Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac has to be paid their share. 
And if you can't absorb it in rate, it has to be paid in points. So what's been the impact of all these increases for the borrowers? Are things slowing down? A little bit, but at the same time, you know, everything is relative. And, you know, as a lot of your listeners know, it has been incredible competition in most of the markets that we're looking at across the country. And also appraisal turn times have been, you know, one of our biggest challenges over the last two years. With refinances going away, we're seeing appraisal turn times normalize. With interest rates going up, now that doesn't affect the cash buyers as much, but even the cash buyers may be using delayed financing on the back end. So it is, we are seeing some of those investor competition come out. Again, that is, it's it's very market specific, but, you know, as far as, as the demand goes, it's still steady, but we are seeing that ebb just a little bit. Now on the owner-occupied side, I mean, you see that people aren't happy that rates are up, but people still want to buy houses. And in the last 12 months, it's been very, very hard for the average person. Again, it's market specific, but in general, there's multiple offers on properties. You know, we were writing a ton of pre-approval letters, but people weren't getting under contract. That that creates a lot of buyer fatigue, especially on owner-occupied because they can't find a house. What if they're relocating? They got to go into corporate housing. There's all these different things that get layered that were just frustrating. And now there's homes that people can buy. Inventory's up a little bit. Rates are up, yeah, but you know what? They can actually go out and compete and they can get in there and their offer now is getting accepted. So we've, I've actually seen a huge uptick um, in the amount of owner-occupied property um, transactions that we're getting. And these are people that we've been working with in some cases, 12 to 18 months. I mean, these are people that were trying to buy last summer, got pre-approved, and then on their own, got buyer fatigue, got frustrated, took themselves off the market. They're now just happy that, yeah, they're paying another 10% premium on the house because house prices went up and rates are up. But you know, the other thing on that to remember is wages are also going up. Mm. So if you go back and look at the last decade, we had a very, very stagnant wage growth in our country. You know, you didn't see a lot of jobs change in terms of what the salaries were offered. You know, again, it's kind of like if you go to Costco or a fast food place, now they're offering, in some cases, $20 an hour for those jobs. The base wage is going up across the country. And so with the cost of everything else going up, you know, as long as wages go up, it does turn into being a little bit relative because if the people are making more money, they can afford to spend more on these things. And so... Again, we've seen it seem to be more normal. Um, Again, it's still less than 30 days inventory. It's still in most markets, a seller's market. But now instead of 20 offers, it might be two or three. Or maybe a home gets one offer. But so the values aren't really changing a ton. Um, We're not seeing the escalations be as crazy, which is nice, because that causes other issues. Um, There's appraisal issues, other stuff. But we're we're seeing a very, um, in my opinion, a, a relatively healthy market, which is nice. Yeah, and hopefully for investors that at some point the prices will also start to maybe even come down a little bit because with the interest rates being higher, cash and cash just isn't as good, right? And so ultimately investors ideally who are selling will will have to change up the prices at some point. This episode is sponsored by our upcoming virtual conference called the Fast Fire to Freedom Summit, which runs July 19th through the 22nd, 2022. Are you curious about investing in real estate but aren't sure if it's the right fit for you? Join us and other trailblazing doctors and their significant others for a four-day deep dive into their experiences building their real estate portfolios. You'll hear from them about how investing in real estate, and specifically cash flowing rentals, has accelerated their journeys to fire and to freedom. See the link in the show notes for additional details. We can't wait to see you there.
This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Caliber Home Loans. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. Now, we've been working with Dan and his team for over five years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close a deal. Now, I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or a vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at semiretiredmd at caliberhomeloans.com to get a free consultation. So I'm going to ask you guys to predict the future, which is always <laughs> fun. So where do you think we're going to end up? Are we going to end up like we did in the 80s with you know interest rates over 10%, 15%, 20% that we've heard about? So the Fed right now, if you read, is is they're trying to thread a, you know, shoot an arrow and hit the bullseye at about, you know, 100 yards, which is doable. Whether they get through that perfectly or not is still yet to be seen. I do think that so um, based on and Scott looked into this a little bit earlier today, too, so we can uh, touch on this as well. It seems to be that we are going to hit the worst part of the inflation we're dealing with sometime in the next six months. So by the end of the year, we should be through it. The real challenge is going to be where does it go back to? So the, you know, the Fed wants inflation at you know 1.8 to 2.4. Does it go back down that low, or does it? You know, right now it's at what like eight and a half is what the numbers we're seeing. So does it? Does it? Does the better move means it goes back down to six, and then that, and then we're stuck at six for a while, or does it go down to four? So that's going to, I think, be the 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 cycle that we're going to not know about is where does it actually pull back to um, really everybody that we've you know gotten a periodical from or read about in the last couple of months. And you can research and find these things online, whether it's an investment, um, you know, CNBC or whatever, some analyst, they feel that we're going to see lower interest rates at the, at the latest at the end of 2023 to the first part of 2024 because we'll be through whatever cycle we're going to be through. But again, it's where do they go down to? So, do they, you know, are they going to go down to 3% again? Or are they going to stop at five? Are they going to go down to four? So I think it's what the, the pendulum comes back to and where we swing um, that it, and, and where it settles after the cycle, this cycle's over. And it, I think it depends if we go into a recession too, right? Correct. Because Correct. And how deep is the recession? Right. That's going to be the risk, yeah. right? With with increasing interest rates is what's going to happen. And, and Kenji and I recently attended a Tony Robbins event, Finance, and just heard from five billionaires. And boy, the general sense was the recession's coming and it's coming in the next couple of years and it's going to be deep and long and, and rough. And if that's if that happens, then you know interest rates may dramatically have to get lowered again, right? To right. deal with that. Semi-retired students ask me to polish my crystal ball often, and just <laughs> just to just to piggyback on what Dan said, the Fed can be relied upon to miss the mark every single time <laughs> with the William Tell analogy. And you know, my prediction about the same timeline, but. The Fed is going to continue to keep raising the federal funds rate probably longer than they have to. That will, we'll see inflation moderate. Again, we're looking at 12 month year over year comparisons. And we've been looking at comparisons back from when we didn't have any inflation. Now we're going to start looking at comparisons from 12 months ago where there was inflation. So that, by definition, should start to moderate those numbers. And that should work to keep a lid on long term interest rates 
And as the Fed raises the federal funds rate, that will invert the yield curve. It just like it has every time there's been a tightening cycle in the past. And most, most of us know that an inverted yield curve, meaning that the uh, the 10-year rate is lower than the two-year rate, will is a great indicator of a recession. And you know, again, my crystal ball, probably by the end of 2022, we will see that recession. We'll keep the duration. No, I'll stay away from the duration question. But to your point, Leite, yes, that that will work to lower long-term interest rates and short-term interest rates when that happens. Yeah. And so, you know, as terrible as recession can be, there can be a lot of opportunity. And especially if you, you know, are really familiar with, with what a good deal is, that you have the team in place, it can make all the difference in the world. And so, you know, our community will be in really great situation if that does does happen. And so I really wanted to ask you guys, in, in terms of crystal balls, of course, that we're that we're talking about, um, where do you, what about the arms of the world? So let's talk about with loans, with arms, what are you kind of recommending to people who are looking at this unknown in the next couple of years to do when, when they're considering an arm? Yeah, so arms have uh, been off the market for a couple of years, as you know. I mean, the Fed went in, you know, end of 2000, well, early 2020 and dominated you know, pretty much the mortgage-backed security market and wiped, you know, a lot of stuff out that was in place because of COVID. And so they ended up driving rates down and it turned into just a fixed rate loan. I mean, I, I don't think we did an arm. I, I mean, if of the hundreds of loans we closed, it was a random, unique loan that was at an investor that we did an arm for because that's all they offered kind of thing. Whereas in a traditional market, you know, arms are a thing and those are coming back. And so when you get a raising rate cycle like this, you know, 30-year fixed rates are obviously the long-term rates. Those are higher than there's like a 10-year arm, a seven-year arm, a five-year arm, and a three-year arm. So we're starting to see a market come back for that. Um, and so that's good. That means that um, there's going to be more offerings. Um, it is, again, a market that was pretty much kind of shut down. There was, I believe, in 20, uh, 2021, there was less than 2% of the, arm, of the mortgage market was arms. Whereas in a healthy market, it could be, you know, five to 10 times that amount. And so what we're seeing is more and more banks and investors going in and saying, okay, let's start to open these up and get these going again. It just takes time, but we're starting to see them come out. And, and what that's going to mean is that, you know, the investor, whether it's for a primary residence, a second home or an investment property, they're going to be able to, you know, hopefully have a fixed rate option, a 10-year arm, a seven-year arm and so forth that they could go do. And what's going to happen is, is the, the, the arm time cycle that they choose will obviously be a better rate, which will help whatever calculations and our payments they're working with. But then, of course, it is a obviously a game of, okay, is that loan going to be long enough to support the, the mortgage I'm getting to get through whatever cycle we're in? You know, you just talked about how deep is a recession going to be? It could be, you know, five, seven years. Maybe it's only two. Um, so, you know, typically when, when, uh, when arms are issued, you know, if a person really rent, you know, knows they're going to get rid of the property quick. They'll do a three or five year arm. In most cases for you know the average person, if they want an arm product, we're typically doing a seven or 10 year arm because it gives them a time horizon that is far enough out where if there is a market cycle, they can live through it and their mortgage payment doesn't change. And then they can obviously refinance it when it does come due. Um, that's usually what ends up happening. Uh, doesn't mean that everybody does that, but I would say the average arm issued in a healthy market is a seven-year arm. 
Yeah. And, and some of the listeners might know my story. You know, I, I was investing uh, before the last downturn. And back then, there were a lot of three-year, five-year arms. Uh, and that's what a lot of people were doing. And, and the problem is, is that if you got an arm, let's say in 2006, and then the crash happened 2007, 2008, uh, and then if you had a three-year arm, then in 2000, you know, by 2009, like your, your loan was due. And uh, around then, you know, a lot of banks weren't lending. So it was very difficult to get another loan. Some banks actually, some commercial lenders actually just called their loans and said, okay, I'm not giving you another loan product. You have to pay it back in, in, in full. And so uh, that, that's what it can feel like if you're investing, uh, it, using an arm, going into a downturn. But like you said, if you have that seven to 10 year runway, if you have that time, then there's a chance you can kind of get through a downturn. And hopefully by the time that arm is due, you're able to borrow uh, money again. So, Well, it's not just the challenge of having difficulty getting a loan. It's also if your property loses value. If you have a single family home and it's lost a huge chunk of value, now you're in a situation if you can't pay back that loan and it's due, then you are forced to sell. And that's how you know the lower priced properties get on the market too, is people not assuming that there's going to be a turn in the market anytime soon and using the short loan product. So, you know, our tendency is to really go in the longer end so that we can, if this, if this recession does last, you know, six, seven, eight years, that by the time the, the arm gets done, we're through the recession, the values have come up again. And at that point we could sell if we need to. Yeah, I'm curious what what are the arm rates uh, right now? Just to kind of give a sense of like the difference between a 30 year fixed for what you were just talking about residential versus investment properties, uh, and let's say a seven or ten year arm. Go ahead, Scott. I'll let you take that one because of the you do more arms than I do right now with the investment. We are really side. we're really only seeing the arms on the investment side just coming back now. And so it isn't even so much a matter of a difference in rate yet, but it is a difference in points. So just for example, if six and an eighth right now is a point and a half for a 30-year fixed on a, and again, this is not a rate quote for everybody. This is just an example. Uh, but for a 25% down two to four unit property, we may be able to do that for that same rate for a half a point on a 7-1 arm or a 10-1 arm. And again, this is and this is brand new in the last month and a half because prior to Dan's point, and the reason is, is because the Fed, the Federal Reserve was buying mortgage-backed securities, but they're only buying the fixed rate stuff. And that is why there was just no market for the arms. So arms were priced more expensive than 30-year fixed. Now that we're starting to, now that the Fed is getting out of the mortgage-backed security business, we're starting to see that, that market normalize a little bit. So they're starting to come back. Um, and we do expect to see the normal spread in a normalized rate environment. If six and an eighth is par, then 5.875 is a 10 year, 5.75 is a seven, and maybe five and a half is a five. I mean, again, that's that's simplistic, but that's really in a normalized rate environment what we see. And what we normally offer when we're doing rate quotes, you know, here's your 30 year fixed option and here's your 10 and your seven. Um, that hasn't been the case, but we are starting to see some of that come back, albeit very slowly, too slowly for my taste, but we are starting to see that come back a little bit. Wow, this is so interesting. I mean, it's, it's, it's so cool to be really on the forefront of this with uh, our our large investor group and just to kind of see what's going to happen. Like we're, we're kind of talking about the potential trend towards people getting into seven and 10-year arms. And I'm so curious to see in the next six to 12 months, 
if we just see a huge volume of people going for those seven to 10 year arms, it's going to be really interesting to watch and see. So one final question, uh, what advice would you guys give to our listeners, our investors um, on what to do in this current market with rising interest rates? Interest rates are relative. And I've had this conversation with, with several investors over the last couple of years, you know, and interest rates are temporary. And, you know, if, if, if you can, especially when rates are going up, we try to put folks into the, into the program that has the fewest amount of points. Sometimes that's easier than others, because at the end of the day, mortgages are rarely held for longer than four and a half years, whether it's by sale or by refinance, you know, make your decision on your investment based on, on the opportunity. And obviously the interest rate has, has a lot to do with the cash on cash, but it is not everything and it is not permanent. And there will be opportunities in the future to lower that interest rate, just like we did over the last two years, you know, between 2020 and 2021, we will see that cycle repeat again. And my, my advice would be is just remember, this is not 2008 and 2009. That recession was deep for a lot of other reasons bad lending practices, you know, hedge funds doing crazy stuff, bad loan products, all those kinds of things that that caused the housing crash that did a lot of stuff. The, the lending environment right now has created the healthiest ever portfolio of mortgages that are fully approved in terms of every loan that's issued by or insured by the government has been fully documented there's more equity in homes than there has ever been. And there's not one periodical I've read that there's going to be a correction of more than maybe a few percentage points on value. We are, we have as a country, a shortage of homes by population. It's an issue. Mm -hmm. um, this has been something that's not news. I remember being in meetings in the, you know, 2010 to 2012 era where, America quit building homes for five years, like literally stopped. They literally said that we, this, we're dealing with that right now. They said, you wait five to 10 years from now, we're going to have a massive shortage of homes because you just can't build them fast enough. And when you stop building, and we're talking about millions of homes a year weren't being built. And so that's what we're in. And so even though you might have the recessionary pressures, you know, there's not really anybody out there that I've been able to find that said, yeah, you're going to see a massive decline in values. They might stabilize or there might be markets that were overvalued because of the inflationary pressures that were put on last year and the bidding wars and all that stuff. But the overall value of where things are, especially with wages increasing, is, not, is probably not going not gonna, to, then you're not going to see that change. And so we don't feel like there's going to be a massive decline in values. So advice-wise is if there's a property you're out there that you like and that you want, and that's a good for your portfolio, I would buy it and not wait on, you know, don't wait. You know, most, most people out there don't feel like waiting is the right option. You know, they don't, they, there's enough out there to say, Hey, buying now, even though rates are higher is still a good thing to do. Now, if you want, if somebody's going to buy and flip in six months or 12 months, that's a different conversation. But if they're buying a home that's for a portfolio that they're growing, that they're going to keep, or it's a primary residence that they're going to keep, you know, there's anything out there that says now's a bad time to purchase a house. Yeah, and, and that's a, also a good point for those of uh, our students who are buying apartment buildings. If there's a housing shortage, people can't buy primary residences. Well, that's great news for all of us who have apartment buildings who, who need renters, right? Mm -hmm. As Rel well. I'm relatively sure there's a very large rental shortage. And uh, those 
rental costs per month are higher than they were a couple of years ago on yeah. leases in a, in a big way. I think they're, I think it's actually a bigger, it's a bigger Delta than what the interest rate increase has been. Yeah, no, we've, we've seen huge yeah. increases in all of our rents over the last couple of years, for sure. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, thank you guys so much for your time and all of the incredible insights you bring with having such a close, close pulse on the investment market. And specifically on mortgages. Um, can you tell people how to reach you if they're interested in reaching out, finding out more about getting loans on investment properties? We can be reached at semi-retiredmd at caliberhomeloans.com and also at the Kenji and Leite's semi-retired referral page as well. Thank you guys so much for your time. I'm sure our listeners learned a lot and we look forward to having you on the show again. Thanks for Thank having you. us. The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.